This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to download our free audiobooks. The title of this book is Don't Talk to the Police, The Ultimate American Weapon. A Common Lawyer Comments. Copyright 2010. Written by Brent Allen Winters. Visit commonlawyer.com for more information. Disclaimer. Neither the author nor the publisher intends this book or any part of it to constitute legal advice for any person or association respecting any particular or general circumstances. He that keeps his mouth keeps his life, but he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs 13, 3 Foregoing Word If a man vows a vow unto the Lord, or swears an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word, but he shall do all that comes out of his mouth. You shall not be slacking in doing it, for the Lord your God most certainly will require it from you. I will support and defend our Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, so help me God. I should have known better. I had muttered the same words of bewilderment as his. Were my words sincere? You bet. How about senseless? Sure. And it took me a spell to get past it because I didn't want to think bad about all of them. It's more pleasant to think good of others. When I hear another say, They can't do that. I savvy and say to myself, I know. You'd rather not accept it either. I mean, accept the truth that someone you trusted is not only untrustworthy, but worse, is also dangerous. But absorbing the walloping blow of raw force from some policeman's or government agent's calloused disregard for law can jolt a fellow's soul hard enough to knock his common sense rolling stock off his rails of reason. Soul shock, I call it. They can't do that, bewails some shocked American, and then follows with an awkward, can they? And to poor fool, these marmadons, in doing such dastardly deeds, are convinced that using the ends to justify the means in order to fill the wishes of the criminal law industry's lackeys makes them patriots. Such are presumptive but useful sillies for freedom's enemies. Bottom line, soul shock can be a hard jolt, not only strong enough to unhinge a fellow from his reason, but also strong enough to unhinge his tongue to talk fully sincere nonsense, a dangerous thing to do. To be sure, such a law-abiding soul sees the law's limits for government employees, but the unexpected stun of a law officer's disrespect of those limits can knock loose his trust, rendering him slow to acknowledge the foul human inclination to abuse power to another's hurt, the only way such an abuser can get respect. In any event, once one sees that a government employee has violated the law, it is senseless to ask whether such a hireling can, for example, is able to, do such a thing. Indeed, not only can he, but by having done so, he has proven that he can. But I should back up. To get a fair shot at the right answer, one must at least ask the right question. And once abused, the only sensible question remaining is how should one respond to such callous abuse of government power? One action always within the American's power is to use his right not to talk. That is, his right to remain silent. Nowadays, policemen and other government agents are part of a monopoly of force, 
ready and willing to visit violence upon the non-compliant American and against enjoyment of his constitutionally protected rights. Even so, where one is outnumbered and outgunned, it is unwise, no matter how right one thinks one is, to meet force with force. Simply put, by the time a bevy of armed officers has you surrounded with drawn guns and billy clubs, they have the drop on you. Most any plan to overpower them will fail. The only way to beat them is by truth's wisdom. Bottom line, time has come to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Not force, but finesse is needed. Do not talk. To fill this need calls for awareness of a power that cannot be taken, inalienable, no matter how unfair the fight. That can never be turned against its holder. No fundamental right is to be used against a defendant to raise an inference of criminal guilt. That will never wear out, and that is indestructible, for example, resilient to all blows of force and threats of force. Such a weapon is your right to remain silent. Jesus Christ himself warns to never square off with statist power. By the way, such evil is never a mere concept floating in someone's mind or the atmosphere nor is it a mere abstract idea or even a system, condition, or tangible thing. No, evil is only seen or felt by the actions of some person. Some evildoers are mere presumptive sillies, convinced they are doing right. Other evildoers know they are doing evil and delight in doing it. In all events, evil is known by a person's wrong acts. Bottom line, no non-living thing is evil. To be sure, it may be dangerous if one is careless in its use or disrespectful of its ways, or when evil men abuse it to hurt others. But because no mere mindless thing can be held to account, it is not evil. Who can argue that God has not blessed America? From the Pilgrim Fathers' demand of common law's freedoms, and on through to our redemand of those same freedoms during our war of secession from Britain and forward, Americans have insisted upon governing themselves according to the laws of nature and of nature's God. The natural outflowing has been staggering, an engine of freedom and wealth hitherto unknown, indeed never before dreamed possible in the history of Adam's race. Nonetheless, acting against this light, government officials, magistrates, and agents are evermore bureaucratic. They despise their birthright of freedom and its wealth, taking our country astray from freedom's paths, headlong into lawlessness, robbing Americans of life and freedom and the rest of mankind of freedom's beacon. But nevertheless, one weapon for freedom remains wholly within our grip. Your right to remain silent that no government employee, regardless of the amount of force applied, can stop you from using. Even though the law allows a judge to jail a witness who refuses the judge's order to testify, the law deems such refusal, as long as respectfully asserted, a civil, not criminal contempt. Simply put, One's asserting the right to remain silent against a judge's opinion that one is not in real and appreciable danger of prosecution does not give one a criminal record, but could get one thrown in jail. Hence, good sense demands that while one learns the truth of the law, one must never ignore the always-present human lawlessness in high-powered places, as are all other men. The hearts of policemen, government officeholders, and other government employees are flawed beyond knowing. Never be fooled. Power never corrupted anyone. He is already flawed with the taint of corruption, making him vulnerable to abuse any power he gets. Power merely germinates the unsound seed within, 
and hastens its ugly growth, allowing a man's inborn flaws, like weeds, to sprout into the open, as the irritation works to spread the malignancy of an otherwise benign cancer. Power works to worsen selfish tendency towards abuse. The danger, says Acton, is not that a particular class is unfit to govern. Every class is unfit to govern. Donning a uniform, taking a title, holstering a gun, or getting appointed to an office will never make anyone more fit to govern. In all events, says Ryle, men at their best are still only men at best. This booklet is not about the routine traffic stop, but about investigations by policemen and other investigators. Of course, the right response to government employee lawlessness, indeed, to any evil of raw, unmatchable power, is always to do good. Insist upon your freedom to follow the law and enjoy its protections, while demanding that government employees follow it also. But even with all such good actions you can hope to take in response to government lawlessness, such as in the courts, the one right thing you can always do, no matter what government employees do, and that only you and no other can control, is to keep silent. Without question, to have trained one's self to keep silent as a first instinct is admirable. God has given, direct to you, His authority over your tongue, the absolute, non-delegable power to keep silent. Scripture accords, God desires that you discipline silence into your soul as your leading instinct. As government evermore bloats with money and raw power, its coarse groping reaches ever more wider, clutching at more people, while its silverling limbs plumb ever more deeper, prying into the innermost reaches of each private conscience. Thus, the bureaucratic police state's overbearing tentacles not only slither within government, reaching throughout its every part, but now on outward into each individual life. On every hand, the American feels more and more under threat of police state-like invasions of privacy. As a result, welling up from deep within comes a heartfelt sense that just as he has the right to speak, freedom of speech, he also has the right to stay silent, freedom not to speak. No person shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself. But even beyond knowing these Fifth Amendment words of guarantee, the American need to know the reasons, that is, the first principles, behind these words, and what they teach about his right to keep silent. For such reasons, this booklet has been well received. Most of those curious to read it have responded with courtesy to its encouragements to keep quiet. For example, to never talk to a policeman or government agent, whether to answer a question or make a statement. The only bellyaching of which your commenter is aware has come from those having sworn themselves to support and defend our Constitution, policemen and government agents. Moreover, their only argument against the right to remain silent is a general and unsupported insistence that they all deserve your trust. Thus, they say you have a patriotic duty to trust them and answer their questions because they have the right to your conscience, that is, the right to know your mind. Some even say you have a patriotic duty to forfeit your right to remain silent. Such wrong-headedness is a far cry from patriotism. It is, rather, a dangerous bent among the criminal law industry employees and against our Constitution, which they have duty-bound themselves to uphold, cropping up out of their proud, infected flesh in denial of their own frailty, namely, an anxiety to be trusted arising from a fear of not being accepted, all in disrespect of the God-given rights of others to not speak. 
Indeed, for any pack of armed men to demand that you trust each of them without question is a sure sign never to trust any of them. To be sure, no one's position as officers or agents of government is any sign of trustworthiness. There is no worse heresy, says Acton, than the fact that the office sanctifies the holder of it. Bottom line, giving a man a stipend with a respectable office can never make him respectable. And if he already is, his position will only work against his respectability. Be wary when a policeman or other government agent demands your trust. His object is to replace your point of view and mind with his convenience and will. In short, he wants to make easier his job of gathering evidence for possible prosecution. He wants information by the easiest means. If he cannot squeeze it out of you using intimidation or kick it out of you with some shock tactic, he will try to trick it out of you using deceit, sometimes even moving rapidly from one method to the other, whatever it takes to get you talking. Some disagree, saying, Not all policemen are untrustworthy, but how does the one know who is and who is not? Thus, silence is golden. One federal agent, under cross-examination respecting his use of lawless information-gathering devices, while using a false identity, hoping his victim could not subpoena him to testify, ended his testimony, You just have to trust us. Another federal agent, charmed by his power and what he can do, more than with principle and what he had sworn to do, reacted with scorn to the principles in this booklet. You're thinking too much, he counseled. You just need to answer our questions. One Midwest sheriff's deputy, offended by the principles this booklet teaches, demanded its sale be banned from a Christian meeting because it is unchristian. Maybe people do have a constitutionally protected right to not talk. But then, added as though playing a trump card, but law officers like me have rights too. I have the right to answers to my questions. Another sheriff's deputy in Northern California, in response to a homeowner telling him to get out of his house because the deputy had broken in without a warrant, told the homeowner that even if he had no warrant, the homeowner could not force him out of his home because, he said, law enforcement officers like everyone else have the right to free speech no matter where they choose to speak. And I have things I want to say in your house. At best, such men are sincere sillies. At worst, they are high and heavy-handed tyrants. But in any case, such men are enemies of our Constitution. With such shameful silliness, your commenter disagrees and adds that he is not the first to present the ideals in this booklet. Many men of wider learning and deeper understanding than him, including Justice Story, James Madison, and the Fifth Amendment's framers, Justice Blackstone, Lord Cook, the men assembled at Westminster to advise Parliament, John Fortescue, John Wycliffe, Stephen Langton, King Alfred, etc., and so on, beyond time out of memory, have already plumbed the depths of the principles in this booklet, and Scripture anchors these principles in the unfathomable reaches of wisdom. The sum of experience, the common law tradition, constitution, and Scripture, wherein the principle demanding independent judgment in exercising freedom of conscience jumps out of near every page and opinion, are all clear on this first principle. Government employees are unworthy of your trust. Our motto accords, In God we trust. Our Constitution's controlling purpose in every word is to confine the activity of government employees within the jurisdiction limits it lists. Our common law tradition's all-encompassing purpose behind our Constitution is to ensure our freedom of association, keeping the powers that be 
out of our relationships, both horizontally, each with his God, freedom of religion, and vertically, each with his fellow man, freedom to assemble and of contract. And, Scripture's overarching theme is the evermore being revealed coming of the kingdom of God, a government of laws and not of men, and that which happens to those who put their trust in men of earthly government and not in the laws of nature and of nature's God. It follows then that you are to trust, as our national model reminds you, in God. Owe no man anything, says Paul, but love one another. Love is one's only duty manward. Trust is one's duty Godward. For this very reason, said Thomas Jefferson, quote, In matters of government power, let no more be heard of the confidence, trust, in man, but bind them, government office holders and employees, down from mischief by the chains of our Constitution. End quote. Accordingly, it is a fixed principle and sure sign of a loyal American that he seeks to bind down the employees of our governments with the chains of our federal constitution and state constitutions. Respecting the right to keep silent, your commenter draws his understanding and comments out of his own experiences and the experiences of his wife and children, friends and clients, all with whom his mind and soul have been bound in their conviction to keep their peace, that is, to hold intact the integrity of their consciences by choosing not to speak. Further, your commenter's experience in battle by trial as a criminal defense lawyer of the innocent, his experience counseling clients question by question as they testified before the grand jury, his experience as an innocent defendant throughout a long and grueling criminal prosecution and trial, and his experience for a short time as a small rural county state's attorney and as a reader of scripture all bolster his confidence of the principles herein. Simply put, your commenter presents his understanding of the right to stay silent as he sees it, according to the light God has given him. None can do any other. But further, your commenter can do no less in that he desires freedom of mind, conscience, for his offspring and issue, for his friends, neighbors, kin and countrymen. Indeed, his comments herein are his conscience, of which God alone is Lord. By the way, your commenter believes his oath to support and defend our Constitution against domestic enemies to be lawful, that is, good in the eyes of God, and accordingly, that God will require this oath of him. See, for example, Numbers 30, 2. He hastens to add, however, that his oath is not to defend our Constitution as some other person, bureaucrat, judge, prosecutor, understands it, but only as he understands it. To suggest that one support our Constitution according to the understanding of another, substituting that other person's understanding for one's own, is self-evident silliness, unworthy of discussion. History speaks clear. Only as the powers that be respect the individual's right to keep silent can our law protect the innocent. Further, all experience teaches that government employees will respect your rights only as you respect those rights and the God that bestowed them enough to demand them. Their only weapon against your rights is fear induced by force and its threat. Yours is faith in the author of your authority to remain silent. Your constitutionally protected rights, says Justice Jackson, are mere paper rights, and as such are worth, when threatened, only what you or some lawyer makes them worth. Roots of your right to keep silent While being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said unto him, Do you not hear how many things they witness against you? But with not even one word was he answered, so that the governor was downright stunned. 
The right to keep silent when exercised can stun and bewilder the unprincipled holder of political power. Arising from our common law tradition, its need in modern times came to the forefront during the Roman-styled inquisitions of English Protestants called Puritans. The right to remain silent stands opposed to the mandatory confession and the confessional of the civil law or Roman tradition, which covers the globe. For the same reasons, our common law tradition rejects mandatory confession and the confessional as the tyrant's tandem tools of statecraft and priestcraft. Americans, citing their Constitution's Fifth Amendment guarantee, have demanded their right to keep silent. Nowadays, however, due to the swelling police state power of the criminal law industry coupled with misunderstanding, downright ignorance, and thick thinking, all resulting in fear, the right to remain silent has fallen into disuse. The right to stay silent, as also the right to speak, arises from the laws of nature and of nature's God. Forced confession and the confessional arise from Babylon. Though ancient, the right to keep silent will never grow old, but will always stay fresh as the morning to the one wise enough to use it. As sons of Adam, you are the crowning of all creation. See, for example, Psalm 8.5 and Hebrews 2.7. Fashioned in the Creator's image, that is, after His holy imagination, and bearing a non-delegable right of authority over your tongue to discern when to speak and when to keep silent. Your ability of speech, coupled with authority to speak or forbear speaking, sets you apart from all other creatures. Moreover, God charges you to speak your mind, your conscience, what you know. Only to those entitled to receive such information you are pondering, but to keep your peace, keeping your mind what you know, at all other times. We, like our Creator, govern with words. But unlike our Creator, we will answer to Him in the final day for every idle, useless word spoken. In the day of judgment, warns Christ, men shall give an accounting concerning every useless word they shall speak. Matthew 12.36 Accordingly, Scripture cautions you to be quick to hear, but slow to speak. James 1, 19 and 26. This booklet discusses the reasons for the right to keep silent. Though always a vital right, never has its wise use been more needful than now. Indeed, government is bloated beyond constitutional recognition and drunk with a limitless supply of cheap money and unbridled raw power. Consequently, its policemen, agents, and other employees can afford to stay ignorant of law substituting in its place power, becoming ever more overbearing and lawless. Nevertheless, standing above all this, every person's right to keep silent before all others, save God himself, is along with all other fundamental rights, God's special bequeathing to each of Adam's race. Therefore, to allow the powers that be to trample this right in you or another, when you have lawful power to check it or stop it altogether, is to dishonor God. On the other hand, to insist upon respect for the right to keep silent is to respect the Creator, who has given the right by fashioning you after His holy imagination, that is, in His image. To be sure, many, if not most Americans, have lost understanding and conviction concerning the right to remain silent. Government employees from judges to bureaucrats often ignore it or work the law around it, claiming that your use of its protection from criminal prosecution is a mere privilege, which they, each at his whim and pleasure, may grant or withhold. However, such elitist error is no reason for you to give up what God has made yours. Only the would-be tyrant will insert himself between you and your Creator by trying to wrench information from you by threat of force or force, by trick 
or false promises when you are otherwise convicted that God would have you remain silent. In our country, such calloused men and women evermore control the raw power tools of the criminal law industry, with its agency law, statism, and police state tactics. Their attack is at the most strategic point of the battle line for freedom, the right to free speech with its companion, right to keep silent. Opposite sides of the same coin, the two are inextricably entwined, rising and falling together. By attacking your freedom to speak, government elitists and their lackeys hope to stop the flow of knowledge that threatens their lust for total domination. By attacking your freedom to keep silent, these elitists hope to grub up information that will enable them to further threaten you and thereby chill your freedom to speak, write, associate, discuss, publish, and act. Throughout the last 15 years, your commenter and his family have been the target of an ever-increasing and vicious, yet ever more planned and intense attacks aimed at criminal prosecutions in an attempt to jail us. We never have had power of wealth in possessions or money, nor do we now, nor have we been rabble-rousers of any ilk. Through the years, however, we have read the scriptures and relayed to one another and others what we have found therein and learnt therefrom, namely the principles of the laws of nature and of nature's God. Concerning the right to remain silent, your commenter has written much and said much. Constant input from my family and their experiences has brought wider and deeper understanding of the principles of right government, including the responsibility and right to remain silent. Freedom to speak about government is inherently religious. Government is God's business. Christ came, lived, suffered, died, rose from the dead, went down into hell, and then up into heaven to set government aright by justifying a people called out to exercise the power of his authority in deeds and words. The government of God, the power arising from his authority, called the kingdom of God, is the meeting point of all revelation, whether in creation, general, scripture, special. However, to seek to understand and act upon these laws of nature's God is to do so in the teeth of evil. Without doubt, anything or person that is not out to understand and apply the principles of God's government is useful, witting, or unwitting, too, those hoping to thwart those principles. In this thwarting, the strategy of evil men is to chill and stamp out speech dangerous to them and their drive to slake their lusts. Their tactic is to force speech called politically correct, calculated to allow them free reign to fill their lusts at the expense of others. To sum up, to respect the right to remain silent is to seek God's honor, not ours, and is the necessary prerequisite to honoring other men. Indeed, apart from God and His Christ, each man is not only helpless and hopeless, but also honorless. Fortunately, every person bears the imprint of the holy imagination of the Creator, only he has proven himself worthy and, therefore, is always entitled to your thoughts and conscience. Mere agents of government, by contrast, are not so entitled.